Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 10, double digits of points and penalties. My name is Josh. With me are my co-hosts, Jesse, Peter, and Kevin. Kevin, what are you drinking today? I'm having myself Murphy's Law, Cherry Bomb, with some cola. Uh, Peter, what are you drinking? Thanks, Kev. I'm having a Flying Monkeys. The Mutants Are Revolting, crushable IPA. Nice. I think I've had that. Yeah. Pretty good. It's pretty good. It's four and a half percent. It's a little bit lighter, but it's, uh, you know, it's weird and spooky, and I thought it'd be fun. <laughs> Jesse, what are you drinking? Back to Cowbell. They came out with this uh, new beer called Double Exposure. It's a New England DIPA, which means double uh, New England double IPA. It's a uh, 7.7. Another strong beer for me, but it absolutely tastes great right now. The first couple sips. Josh, what are you drinking? Well, tonight I got a locker room lager from Post Game Brewery. It's, uh, it tastes just like a beer you drink in the in the dressing room after your hockey game it's got a jersey and everything on it looks like it's a it's a hockey jersey right there it's only uh 4.2 percent which isn't crazy but it tastes really good and i'm enjoying it so all the blue jays boys getting close to the season starting starts up this week the regular season but the blue jays are doing pretty good so far uh as of march 27th uh, the Saturday Jays are 15 and nine. They have the most wins in grapefruit league, but are in uh, second place based on win per- percentage behind Miami. Uh, I know that it's just grapefruit league and you got to take it with a grain of salt, but it does lead to uh, good things or seems to be guys are looking good. As we said last week, uh, I'm just happy to see this and I'm happy to see uh, guys have been stretched out pretty well. Uh, watched Ryu pitch the other day. He wasn't a, in mid-season form, but after his stint in, in the game, he went in, out and finished his pitch count in the bullpen, which was good to see. He didn't just wrap it up. He went out there, and although they didn't want him in the game anymore, he still went through the rest of his 30 pitches or whatever to, to get stretched right out, which uh, which was very good. So, so they will be without Kirby Yates uh, for the season. He just underwent Tommy John surgery, which sucks. Uh, to lose your closer that you had just signed, but such as baseball, and uh, it is what it is. Jesse, you said uh, uh, I can't remember who you said the closer is probably going to end up being. I think you had mentioned it, uh, uh, Jordan Romano. Today. Romano, right? And you feel like he's going to be pretty, you know, half decent in that role. Yeah, like Charlie Montoya said that they don't know who's going to be the closer yet, but uh, their pitching coach uh, Pete, I can't remember their pitching coach right now. Is it Pete Walker? Pete, Pete Walker. Walker. That's yep. who it is. Yeah. Yeah. So he said that he's a closer in the making. So kind of gave it away in that, in that sake. But yeah, I think he will be the one to take over the general duties at the beginning. And um, he's young. I think he's like 27 or something like that. So he might have a, he has a lively arm. So he, I think he'll do pretty well back there. And I think he'll be pretty impressive how he does this year. Good. Well, hopefully we won't miss too much of a beat then. Uh, obviously, the leadership from Yates as being a veteran, we're gonna we're gonna lose that. But um, it was a high risk, high reward signing for sure. Like they didn't, it was five million or five point five million. I think they signed him for. So it'll be uh, it's money down the drain. But they knew what they were getting into with him. He's an old guy too. So with a lot of injuries, like from last year. Uh, more injuries. Speaking of, is what happened to George Springer. Springer Dinger got hurt. Pretty badly. 
I, I personally think it's pretty badly because it's an oblique and we have no timetable on that. I, it could be a long time. It could be a short time, but because of uh, having to hit and your, it, your oblique is on your sides and everything like that. So you're constantly turning and everything like that. And the strain there can cause a lot of issues in the hitting and it could, he could strain himself again later on. So I think that uh, they'll, he'll probably have like maybe four weeks off. I don't think he'll be there for the start of the season. Just, and I think they should just try and rehab this really, really yeah. slowly with Springer. Rest it, rest it, right? I mean, it's anyway, it's going to heal itself. Right. And it can get it strained real quick. Another injury, uh, my boy, Robbie Ray, who was having a great spring, fell down the stairs. <laughs> but he was carrying his baby boy down there, so he protected him, and he la landed on his elbow is the story. He should have led with his uh, – he's a lefty, so he should have led with the right. But it is what it is. He, they still think he'll be there for the start of the season. I think they were going to push his uh, start back a couple days or so. But uh, he should be there, and he's just right now. Just they're just saying it's a bone bruise. It's likely day to day right now, right? Yeah, like I think he might have like be in the fifth spot rotation. Yeah. Like I don't think he's gonna miss a start, but he, but uh, he'll probably be one of the uh, last starters to go. Well, hopefully this is not a sign of things to come for the J season. These guys getting hurt right out of the gates, and I don't know if uh, Kev's dreams are gonna come true if if they're playing hurt all year. Ah, they still will. They will. They'll do fine. Be tough if they're if they are all hurt. I mean, hopefully they don't all get hurt. But that's where these guys play the majors, though, right? I mean, they're all there. They all know what they got to do to win. So rally behind these injuries and carry on. Yeah, it's still early. I'm not too worried about these injuries at this point. But like you said, hopefully it's not a a lingering problem. I'm just excited to see um, them start playing some real games and. Hopefully, uh, injury bug goes away, and we can see some Jays baseball and see some uh, some wins. Excited to get the. I guess when this comes out, it'll be tomorrow. That uh, opening day, Thursday next week. Right? Yeah, exactly. They play today, and actually they're playing right now, and they play Monday, and then they're off uh, for the two days, and then start up on Thursday against the Yanks. First game of the year, one oh seven. Most of us will be working, but. Yeah. <laughs> Not I. Lucky. Be a good game to watch. That's why we have Jays in 30, though. Yeah. <laughs> so just uh, rounding back a little bit to Not a Blue Jay, but a Chicago White Sox, Eloy Jimenez, probably going to miss about five to six months with a torn pectoral tendon. It's going to need surgery. And uh, I didn't see the, the uh, injury live. Tried to make a, a leaping grab at the wall on a the home run ball that Sean Murphy hit from Oakland. If and when he returns, or I guess it'll be when he returns, he might end up just being a DH because he seems to be a little bit injury prone since uh, entering the league in 2019. So it'll be interesting to see how he comes back and if he can rehab after the surgery and get a you know real timeline and, and get back get back into, into playing shoot. It'll be pretty impressive if he comes back after surgery, I think. You think he's done? He like uh, he like White Sox are probably going to be pretty good this year because they got a lot of young talent coming in. But yeah, like September, maybe he, end of September he might get a couple reps in and then post. Yeah, like he might not play this year, but I mean, I think like even he'll play next year. I would think. Well, yeah, that's what I'm talking about more or less is just him making it to the end of the year. But like it's gonna be it's gonna be tough when you have surgery and then rehab sure. and everything like that. Plus 
plus getting all his bats in. And like you said, he'll probably be playing. DH. Right. And like, because of that, that young depth that they have right now, there is, you know, there's guys that are up and coming even behind him, even though he's only in the league for, you know, a year and a half type thing. So I guess two years, but yeah, I heard you, they're going to might uh, put Andrew Vaughn back in the outfield. Oh, who was originally a first baseman. So that'll be interesting to see how that defense is with him back there. For sure, there. yeah. But, uh, yeah, not not good for the White Sox, not good for Jimenez. But uh, I guess things happen, especially in spring training when you're trying to be a hero. I did, Like I said, I didn't see it, so I don't know <laughs> how uh, innocent it looked or, or if it was kind of a goofy play. But uh, it is what it is, and we'll go from there. So being that the regular season is starting up on Thursday. Uh, I wanted to ask you guys, Kev, I know we, we know your answer, but I wanted to get some predictions on who's going to win the world series as this is our last show before the season starts. So there's uh, there'll be no crying once it, once it starts. Oh, I wanted to pick here. I wanted to pick here. So well, who do you guys got? Well, as you said, uh, I'm still sticking with them. I got the Jays to win it. Josh, Jesse, Peter, who do go, you guys uh, take it? With uh, Atlanta Braves. Atlanta Braves. I think they got a good, young, solid core. And I think they're going to come out dominant this year. Hmm. Interesting. That is interesting. So, looking at the odds on uh, oddshark.com, the Jays have actually moved up. They're uh, seventh right now in odds to win the World Series. So, Kev's prediction is looking maybe more... uh, not as crazy as we once thought, but I'm still not going with them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm just, uh, I'm going to go the favorites. I'm going to say the Dodgers repeat. I think they made all the right moves this offseason, and they're, uh, they're going to be a real tough team to beat. It's also really tough to repeat. This is true. That it is. Josh? Uh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. I'm not sure who right, right now. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull something out of my ass. I'm going to say the Yankees. Oh. Yeah, I know. Come on, I know. I'm not going to cheer for yeah. it. I'm okay, just going to yeah. say they're going to win. Oh. Definitely not. How can you even predict it, though? Come on now. Oh, it's uh, just how it works, man. Just like you take in the Dodgers, uh-huh. it's a favorite. Yeah, but it's not the Yankees. Yeah, I know. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair <laughs> enough. All right, so we'll have to write those down. That's like me picking the fucking Canadians to win the cup. Come on now. Yeah, I hear you, man. I hear you. But I'm still going to take them. Even if I thought they were going to win. Still never going to happen. Even though, speaking of the Canadians, they just uh, made a trade. So they have picked up Eric Stahl uh, from the Buffalo Sabres in exchange for a third and fifth round pick. Uh, which is a decent trade, I think. I think he'll fit in as their third line center, probably. Maybe their fourth line center. But uh, it adds good, good depth to their middle of their lineup. And he's got... Stanley Cup winning pedigree and experience. So maybe a bit of added leadership into that group. Oh, I mean, at least it's like out of Buffalo. I mean, anything's better than that. Oh, yeah. The clear winner of this trade is definitely Eric Stahl for yeah, the fuck out of Buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think the trade makes sense for both teams. Buffalo's obviously a dumpster fire and they're picking up graphics, which makes sense. And uh, Montreal's adding depth for. Uh, an attempted playoff run. Yeah, year. there's never anything wrong with adding depth up the middle either. If you're going to add depth, yeah. you might as well add a centerman. I think Montreal did all right on this, but giving up a third and a fifth, I mean, it's not it's not much to give up. So 
you know. Yeah. How long is Saul under contract? I think he's UFA at the end of the year. Well, that, so yeah, it's, a rental. it's a little bit more of a rental unless they, you know, he enjoys it there and he does well. Maybe they can, maybe it can be a trade and sign type thing, but. I don't think it will be because I know that uh, the Canadians were on Stahl's 10-team no-trade list, which he chose to waive because he was able to get the fuck out of Buffalo. But he did have a 10-team no-trade, and Montreal was one of them. Interesting. So I doubt he's I doubt he's going to re-sign. But you never know. Maybe he likes it there and uh, keeps on going. Maybe he retires at the end of the year. He's 36 now. You know, who knows? <laughs> also... I'm not sure it probably will apply to him, but the, the NHL has gotten approval from, I guess, the government of Canada for NHL players to only have to quarantine for seven days now instead of the 14 that it was uh, up until last week. So that's important leading up to the uh, the trade deadline in a couple of weeks. And for trades like this, where whenever we have someone coming up to the Canadian division from one of the American teams, they only have to quarantine for seven days now, which is probably, you know, three or four games, depending on the schedule, which is a lot better than the two weeks that it was before. Yeah, I mean, they're all tested all the time anyway, so to, to shrink that quarantine time, I don't think that was a real big deal. Yeah, exactly. I didn't think so either. I mean, it's pretty smart. It was a little ridiculous for two weeks to begin with, more or less, when they're getting tested the whole time. Yeah, I mean, the two weeks is just because that's the rules for everybody, for plebs like you and me. If we came back up from the States, we would have to quarantine for 14 days. These guys are getting tested all the time too, right? So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That'll hopefully lead to some more action for the trade deadline. Maybe we'll see some of the other Canadian teams add players as they try and make a playoff push. In other NHL news, uh, Zibanejad continues to just let the Flyers know that he is their daddy. Uh, (laughs) So he put up six points again, uh, including, I think, another natural hat-trick in a game against the Flyers. And that he's the first player ever to have six or more points in two consecutive games against the same team in in the same regular season. So he's just... The Flyers must just have nightmares about this guy right now. It's pretty impressive. Man. He is, it, it's really impressive. He's, he's definitely holding a hot stick. So you did just kind of, you know, scared to, s- to see him do this because who knows? He may be able to beat Silver, but I don't see it. I don't still see anybody doing a 10-point game. Yeah, But good for him, man. It's, it's quite impressive. Let's see, maybe he plays the Flyers a couple more times and gets that. Yeah, yeah, who yeah, knows? That, right? Yeah, it is. Uh, it's pretty wild, though, especially the six or more points in consecutive games against the same opponent. That's that's a cool, that's a cool stat to own, cool record to own. Yeah, yeah. It was again. Was it against both goalies? Was it against Hart and Elliott? No idea. What would be more impressive, beating two different goalies or the same goalie? <laughs> they were in there a few times. Beating them both would be very impressive, but. Beating, beating one goalie all the time on that, and it's just unbelievable. Yeah, it's good stuff. All right, and so for the Leafs this week, they played twice. I think this is the last of their little, uh, I'm going to call it a mini vacation. They had, I think, four days off. So they played two games. They played Ottawa on Thursday night and Edmonton on Saturday night. Both overtime wins. 
So they're making us uh, they're making us anxious for the, watching these wins. But both games are a lot of fun. In the Ottawa game, uh, in overtime, Matthews. Uh, I'm sure you guys probably saw it, but there's a turnover and a three on one coming, and Matthews is the only one back against the Ottawa Senators. Excuse me. They tried to make a pass. Uh, across the ice, and Matthews stepped into it, cut it off, uh, made a play on nets, um, which almost went in, but not quite. And then Marner picks it up, passes it all, and buries it for the OT winner. So that goal definitely never happens without Matthews on the ice there in that situation. And then uh, on Saturday night, uh, Matthews ends his five-game goalless drought um, by scoring the overtime winner on what was a bit of a fluky goal, but He's been stopped on several opportunities that he usually buries. Uh, he's been a bit snake bitten lately, so it's nice to see him get a lucky bounce and get that monkey off his back. Yeah, I, I don't see him still doing the fifty. My prediction, I was thinking about. It, I said he did like thirty-eight, thirty-nine. I don't, I don't see that happening either now. Yeah, it's going to be tough after this drought. I mean, I'm sure like he's been playing well. He's been he's been having his chances. They just haven't been going in for him. So I can definitely see him picking up the pace on his scoring again, no problem. But yeah, getting to 50, I think, is definitely off the table now. And I think I had said something like 45, maybe, or something like that. That's going to be tough, too. But who knows? He's an elite goal scorer, so we'll see what he can do. With the shortened season, too, though, for the amount of goals he is scoring, I mean, he could have done 50 in the regular. Oh, guaranteed. But he's still scoring at a – he's still – don't challenge me on this because I haven't checked, but I think he's still leading the league in goals. Yes, even with this, even with this drought. He said they said uh, one. He's one above uh, Connor. Yeah, McDavid's right on his coattails. Yeah, pretty crazy though that there was. He's had two streaks where it's like been five games or so without scoring, and then he there's a couple games in between or in there he's scored a bunch of goals. I think after that lucky bounce, like he's going to start another streak of something. I can see it. I hope so. He needs a goal a game and then a few games with um, with multiple goals for me to get 50. Like, uh, so, like yeah. Sabinajad. You just got to go talk to him or touch a stick yeah, or something. If we we'll can only play the Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents. Well, we had a big, a big week here in the NBA. There's a trade deadline. We didn't really speak too much of this last week because there wasn't a whole lot of of rumors and, and uh, really storylines to follow it all. So we left it and here we are now. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. Nothing too, too crazy except for, for us, uh, the Raptors, but I'm going to leave those guys to the end. Uh, so we can kind of just go through some of these. So Dallas and New Orleans made a trade. Uh, Dallas gets JJ Redick and Nicola Melli and the Pelicans end up getting James Johnson, Wes Iwundu and a 2021 second round pick. Not horrible for each team. I believe Redick is hurt right now. So this is more of a, a depth move for the future and hopefully maybe for a playoff run if Dallas can uh, can put a, a run together. Uh, like I said, I don't think it's a horrible horrible trade either way. I was reading up and there was some, some grades being given out. And uh, both of these were uh, the Mavs got a B and the Pelicans got a B minus on this, on this trade. Now those these ratings are or grades are from somebody that knows way more about basketball than I do. So I can't remember his name. I wish I did because I should have shouted him out, but I didn't. Sorry about your luck, bud. 
<laughs> is it uh, is it Ricky O'Donnell? Uh, I don't know. Because I think I got the same article maybe, opening. Now. Maybe it was. <laughs> so the Magic made a couple trades. They made a trade with the Bulls, and then they made a separate trade with the Nuggets. So we'll start with the Bulls. Chicago gets Nikola Vukovic and El Farik Aminu. And Orlando will get Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., a 2021 and a 2023 first-round pick. Uh, Vukovic has been really good this year. So for Chicago to bring him on, I think is great. I, I think this is a really good trade for them. Our grading gives uh, the Bulls a B and the Magic a B plus on this. I'm going to push the Bulls up on this one to B plus as well because I really like Vukovic. Uh, I would say so too. I mean, you get to you're going to play with um, Levine, right? I mean, he's only going to make those guys better. Right. Exactly. Yeah, you're 100 right, Kev. So I'm definitely going to give them a B plus on that. And there's potential here that these the Bulls can can really do a little bit of damage now. Uh, on their second trade with the Magic, that is a second trade. They traded with the Nuggets. The Nuggets get Aaron Gordon, who's a really good good player, slam dunk uh, champion in the past, and Gary Clark. And Orlando then gets Gary Harris, RJ Hampton, who's a pretty high-end prospect. I guess he's a rookie this year. So uh, 2025 protected first-round pick, which is odd to be trading a pick so far in advance, but maybe Denver doesn't have any other first-round picks. I don't know. The Nuggets here, uh, the grader gave him an A-. minus. I got, I got to say probably more of an A for me. Uh, Aaron Gordon's good, but he's, he's kind of, in my mind, he's a little one-dimensional. He's just that guy that he just wants to slam the ball. Well, I guess if it's an A minus, I'm giving it a B, B plus, I guess would be what I'm going to give it. Cause I don't think it's as quite as good as, as he thinks. Uh, and the magic, he says they get a C on this one because they don't really get much uh, back now, but they get stuff for the future. Like I said, RJ Hampton's a rookie. And then this 2025 protected first round pick, which is weird, weird, weird. How the Miami Heat and the Houston Rockets made a trade. Now, Victor Oladipo went to the Heat. Uh, He is a very good player. Uh, I like this move for Miami. I feel like they didn't give too much up here on Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and a 2022 first round uh, swap rights. So, you know, their picks could be swapped. I was probably on whoever gets a better pick. That's probably what what the swap will end up being. Olenek, Canadian guy, was on Boston, and then obviously went to uh, went to Miami, and now is in Houston. I, I just don't think that he's, you know, as good as maybe he could be. But for but for Miami, this is this is a knockout punch. This is this is great for them to try and get back to the uh, to the finals and to uh, to try and ho- uh, hoist a trophy now with uh, with Oladipo. I really think they have a good chance. They got a, long, a lot of young guys in Tyler Harrow, and I think they're going to be good down the stretch. And so, guys, I got one more before we get into the Raptors. Uh, we had the LA Clippers trading with the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, Rajon Rondo went back to the Clippers from the Hawks. He was, a, I believe he was a Clipper, I want to say it was last year, but I'm not 100% sure. And going back the other way to Atlanta, is Lou Williams, who is an ex-Raptor, and then two future second-round picks. Apparently, Lou Williams had contemplated retiring uh, after hearing this trade because he does not want to play for Atlanta, uh, probably thinking that they don't have much of a chance to to win a championship, which I think they, they're they building. So they've got some good players. Ice Trey is really good there. Uh, that's Trey Young, in case you guys didn't know his, his nickname. And... Uh, 
I think in the future they're going to be they're going to be good. But Lou Williams isn't looking for future. He's an older veteran player, and he's going to want to. He wants to win now. So for him to to have to leave the Clippers, a team that's going to be you know up there in in favorites to to win the championship this year, that sucks for him. So he had contemplated retiring, but decided that he's not going to. He's going to play and do his thing with Atlanta. Oh, the Raptors. I'm going to start with the more uh, insignificant trade compared to the other. The Raptors, the Jazz, and the Kings made a three-way trade. The Raptors lost two of their players, Terrence Davis and Matt Thomas. And in return, they get two 2021 second-round picks. So Sacramento gets Terrence Davis, and Utah gets Matt Thomas. You know, these guys were bench guys. Terrence Davis saw more action. But I think with the uh, next trade we're going to talk about, these guys were uh, ex- expendable. And so they, they shipped them off to get a few new, new picks to, uh, to keep building. So I have no problem with this. You know, I actually like the trade. Like I said, I, it's for, for me, I'm not going to miss uh, either of those two players, although they were half decent role players. Now a guy I will miss from the raps is Mr. Norman. Well, Powell. Josh, just before we move on, I want to, mm. I agree with you completely with the, uh, I'm, I'm kind of good riddance. Terrence Davis is gone. To tell you the truth. He's not really yeah. a huge fan of him. Uh, for two second round picks, great. Matt Thomas had his times where he was good, but it felt like Nick Nurse was forcing him the ball a few times, and uh, they were just running running through him when there was a bunch of bench guys out there. And like he was an all right player, but he was a decent shooter. But I I personally fine with getting a, a second and second round pick out of him. And and Terrence Davis, I think we we, got, we did a lot better with him because he bugged me. Yeah, I, I, I agree as well. I think it makes sense, like we said, I think last show, that it makes sense for them to retool this this year because this is not a championship year. Sorry, guys. So, yeah, I think it makes sense to get rid of some guys and put some assets in the cupboard for the future, and hopefully they'll turn into something. Yeah, exactly. So, as I said, a guy that I'll miss was Norman Powell. Uh, he was traded, as I'm sure everybody will know by the time this comes out, but he was traded – to Portland for Rodney Hood and Gary Trent Jr. Gary Trent Jr., half decent player, is stepping into a starting role for us uh, right now. Uh, he's got a lot of upside, and I have no problem with bringing him on. Uh, same with Rodney Hood. Uh, these guys are, are pretty decent players, kind of role players at this point, but I think Gary Trent can uh, can step into a bigger role, and I think that the Raps are expecting him to. Norman Powell, though, that's, that's a guy with a lot of heart that the Raps are going to miss. He was, uh, you know, one of the hardest working guys on the team and just did whatever he could to help, whether it was, uh, you know, putting up 40 points but not getting a single rebound, assist, or, or steal or anything, just putting up points. Or, you know, he wasn't superstar defensively, but he, he had his games where he'd come up big. So it'll be uh, – it's a little disappointing to not see Norm uh, in a Raptor jersey anymore. But he goes on to a pretty good team in Portland. He gets to play with with Damian Lillard, uh, CJ McCollum. And I think he's going to fit in well there. He scored 23 points in his first game with them. And I think he's going to get a lot of starting time in, in Portland. And uh, it's, I think it's going to be good for his career. And, and he's, uh, he's a free agent at the end of the year. So I would imagine he'll be looking for some some big bucks come next season. So whether he ends up sticking it out in Portland, if they offer him something, which you got to think they're going to, and if not, he'll go somewhere else and make the money. Yeah. So, I, and I think that's exactly why the Raptors made this trade because I think 
there probably are discussions about what a what a contract extension with them would look like, and I don't think they can afford him. So I think he was gone at the end of this year anyway. So it made sense to make a trade like this and get a, a good young talented player. And you know, it's unfortunate, but so I got that's the business. You guys. Um, do you guys think this was a good trade? Yep. Yeah, I think so. See, I think they could have gone a little bit more because he was at the his height of what he was, and I was kind of shocked not to see any picks come our way. Tell you the truth. I agree there. Don't get me wrong. I'm happy to get I Gary agree to Trent. That. He's like a younger version of Powell, but I I just I just think they could have gotten a lot more, especially for the way he was lightening up. Like the team itself wasn't doing well, but he was the only one, good one on it, and I thought they could have gotten a little bit more out of him. The only good thing with Gary Trent is he's a restricted free agent. So we got a little bit more power with uh, getting back next year. But uh, we talked about it last, last uh, week, Josh, you thought Powell was going to get traded and they'll keep Lowry. And I thought they'd keep uh, Powell and get rid of Lowry. So congrats on getting that correct and everything like that. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> now they got to sign Lowry in the off season. They have to. Yes, they do. They do. hundred percent. Because if you're not going to re-sign them, then you might as well have traded them and get something for them. Anything would have been, you know. Yeah. And like, I heard like there were some garbage options that are trades that they were trying to get uh, the Raptors to trade them for. And they just said, nope. And, and like you guys say, or a lot of us say is he's the best Raptor right now to ever, ever <laughs> to be on the team. And I, uh, I think it's great, but like, it was a, it could have. They just got to. They got to make sure they got to resign him because there's no point in letting him, him walk now if they didn't get anything for him at this deadline. And I would think that they probably would have had those conversations. Like, you know, what are you going to want? What's your contract length? We going to going to want to be in? Can we work with that? And I'm sure they've had some conversations because, like you said, if not, then you might as well have moved him and get anything for him that you can use in the future. And like you said, Peter, they're likely not not winning a championship this year there might not even make the damn playoffs so you have to sign them and hopefully we can do some damage next year yeah well i just just a quick thing is that i heard that he was also looking to get another chance at a championship too so that's another uh, roadblock in the way in the offseason next year yeah if you, if you sign a sign a center you know and if you can sign kyle and that's a good start to uh, to rebuilding that championship. Form. And I think that's what they're going for. They're going to get a big, and and then maybe even Lowry will stay for cheap because he's been here forever. Mm-hmm. So it's not a bad plan, but I uh, I still would have rathered Powell stay on the team. But that was my guy. I mean, it totally makes sense what you're saying, uh, but they obviously didn't think that they could like Peter, like you said, like they obviously decided they couldn't afford him and, uh, and so on and so forth. So um, just quickly with the Raptors here. So the, you know, through the week, they lost on, they lost to Houston. They lost to Den or sorry, they won against Denver. uh, And that was on Wednesday night and it was ladies night. uh, So it was just all women doing the entire broadcast, everybody from hosting to interviewing to calling the game. And it went out, went off without a, without a hitch. I think it was uh, very widely uh, enjoyed and uh, just wanted to say congratulations to the ladies that were on that broadcast for making history. And, uh, and hopefully we see that a little bit more. Uh, so the Raps play today versus Portland. They get to play against Norm, which will be pretty crazy. Be quick turnaround to playing each other. So I'm sure it'll be, uh, 
it'll be pretty cool to see all the all the hugs and whatnot uh, in today's games. And uh, you know, although it's only been a few days, it's still pretty cool. I bet he lights them up. Oh too. yeah, for sure he does, for sure. Uh, and then they play Monday, they play Wednesday and Friday. It's a busy week for the Raps. Uh, hopefully, we can get a few Ws and uh, maybe try and make that last ditch effort to a playoff spot. Yeah, I mean they're close. They're eleventh right now. I believe so. Right? Yeah. And they need to be tenth to get into a play-in game. So. Right, right. I think they'll probably they'll make the play-in game. I think, and if they actually make the true playoffs, we'll see. Well, we're in the middle of the playoffs. In the Heat, Sweet Sixteen, NCAA. The men are uh, well, actually some of them are playing right now. Gonzaga, Crichton are playing right now, and this is the second day of the Sweet Sixteen for the men. Actually, for the women as well. So yesterday on Saturday. Our winners were Oregon State, Baylor, Arkansas, and Houston. Peter and Jesse, you guys both had Baylor. Jesse, you had Arkansas. And Peter, you had Houston. Pretty sure that's how it went yesterday. So you guys all got points. Boom. I did not. Solid day. I still am uh, not optimistic that I'm winning this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Knowing my luck, I might drop the third. (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? I've got, uh, I wrote it down somewhere to see how many potential points we can still get, but it's not. not, You said I have three. Three. You said the last time I I looked, I have three. That's not good, Kev. Nope. I think uh, Jesse might be running away with this one. I think it's it's wrapped up. (laughs) Bring picks. Once Gonzalo goes down, it's going to be fair. Everything will be back to normal. It'll definitely. I think that's your only, that's that's your only hope, Kev. I know. I know. That's, that's, that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. Gonzaga's got to lose. So, as I said, Crichton and Gonzaga are playing right now. Uh, we have FSU and Michigan are playing in a little while. UCLA, Alabama, and then Oregon, USC are, are the four games for tonight. And that, the winners will go into, obviously, the Elite Eight. On the women's side, uh, yesterday we had winners were UConn, Baylor in overtime, Indiana, and Arizona. So, both Baylor – uh, men's and women's teams are going to the elite eight, which I don't know if there's some sort of record that, you know, having both your men's and women's team or not, but that's still pretty cool that they're both there. I'm sure Baylor's having a great time partying. And today's game on the women's side, we have Georgia tech versus South Carolina, Missouri state versus Stanford, Oregon versus Louisville and Texas versus Maryland. Uh, and I just wanted to, talk about one of UConn's star players, Paige Buckers. I, I don't have many stats about her or, or whatnot, but this girl can play. She is really, really good. You know, she's good on the dribble. She can shoot threes. She's good down low. I mean, she's not going to dunk, but that's pretty much par for the course in women's. I don't think there's too many uh, women that dunk in, in the league, especially during games. But if you have not seen her play YouTuber or watch, watch her games uh, throughout the Elite Eight here and the rest of March Madness, and you will be just blown away on how, how good this woman is. Yeah, she can definitely ball, that's for sure. We're going to plow into the NFL and not much this week, but a uh, huge trade. San Francisco grabbing the third overall pick from Miami. The Dolphins got the 12th overall in 2021 and a third rounder for a uh, compensatory pick for 
losing Robert Sala. It's a new rule. Uh, I believe it's this year for if you lose a minority uh, coach, you get two third rounders. Uh, one, and then the San Fran will have one this year, which is now in Miami's. And then next year, they'll have another third round pick. Miami also got two first round picks uh, for 2022 and 2023 from San Fran. So that's, that's huge. That's a lot to pay for, for the third overall. Yeah, for sure. Within doing so too, Miami then traded their 12th overall pick, 12th overall pick and their fourth rounder and first rounder in 2022 to grab Philly's sixth overall pick. And then Philly also got the 56th overall pick, which is a fifth rounder. So I'm not sure what Miami is going to be grabbing here. I didn't, I looked at a couple mock drafts and everything like that, but they're, they're all over the place, but they're going to need an edge rusher. I think is what they're going for. I don't know who the top edge rusher is right now. I think it was a uh, uh, Sewell or something like that, but uh, obviously San Fran's going for a quarterback and uh we obviously know that uh, the Jags are probably going to get uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jets, I believe are going to go with the quarterback at the, at the number two overall. And I think they're going to go with uh, Zach Wilson. So on a BYU. Yeah. So that leaves um, my favorite quarterback. Well, be, well, Trevor Lawrence is obviously the best, but like between Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and I think it's Trey uh, Lawrence or Trey Lance. Trey Lance. Yeah. Yeah. So I think Trey Lance is the better quarterback out of those three. And I, I think that's where San Fran's going to go. I don't think they're going to go for Justin Fields. Yeah, I agree with you. I think they're going to take Trey Lance. Seems to point it. Things seems to point in that direction, but who knows? Maybe they, uh, maybe they do really like uh, Fields, but I, I think it's going to be Lance Fields has the same feeling of uh, Deshaun Watson. I find because he had a lot of doubt coming into the, mm-hmm. the same draft that you, your bears drafted Trubisky and yeah. Um, mm-hmm. he ended up being a superstar. So uh, that's the same yeah. feeling I kind of get with Justin Fields, but I, I think uh, Trey Lance, he was playing in a, in a lesser division and everything like that, but he's really, really smart really cerebral and everything like that so he can i think he might be one of the more pro ready quarterbacks and i think he's going to be a pretty good fit with kyle shanahan's uh, offense there so for sure for sure i i i think that as well and but that those that's really the, the only thing big in the nfl that i saw and it was it's quite the maneuvering and the draft hall that san fran gave up for that pick and it just shows you how great that GM, I think his name is Chris Greer in Miami is. He's been just trading away picks left, right, and center. And uh, they're building that uh, that Miami team up a lot. And they just got rid of a, a few guys, uh, Shaq Lawson they cut, and they, and they cut Van Noy as well, which they just signed, which was a shocker. Like they weren't playing well. I, I when I saw them get uh, signed for that kind of money, I was I didn't I'm not surprised, but it, it's weird that they only gave them one year. But they're obviously looking to get more uh, more help on the edge there. So what do you think that the Dolphins are going to do with six? Then I I thought they're going to go with edge, and uh, the other big thing here is uh, I think Garoppolo's on the market. 
far is he going to go? He has been on the market for a while. Um, the place that I keep seeing is back to New England. Mm. Wow. Which would be pretty crazy. And his uh, salary is below market value, but the guy can't stay on the field. He's, he's struggled to stay on the field 2018, last year. Even when uh, I think uh, B-Rad was suspended for four games for, I think it was Deflategate, Garoppolo stepped in. I think he played like two games and then he got hurt. <laughs> so he, he's a good quarterback when he's on the field. Like he, like he, he wins when he's on the field. Like I would, his stats are above average, but he can lead a team to wins. But it'd be interesting to see him go back to New England. I think it would be a come full circle. I think it might be a good fit for them because that way there he already knows how the coach is and coach knows how he is. If it wasn't, I just think that Brady's the one who pushed that guy out. I don't want him being my backup. He's too good. Well, that was exactly it. They, Tom Brady made them choose between uh, Garoppolo and Belichick, and they got rid of Garoppolo to San Fran, right? Yeah. Which worked out well for New England. See, I think that the Dolphins with that number six pick are going to go with somebody to help on offense. So, so, you know, a receiver of sorts, uh, whether it be a wideout or a tight end, they don't have much in Miami. I mean, they've got Will Furley who they just signed. And who's the next best is Devontae Parker. Like he hasn't done much in the last, you know, however long, couple of years for sure. They got Mike Jacecki there. He's tight end, but who else is catching the ball from Tua? I mean, you got to assume that's where the way they're going. Right. Well, Parker, the last two years have been pretty good. Not like, not Willie Parker, but the, I think the 2019 season, he had a pretty good season for oh, really? finally awoke a, a bit. And um, he's a little injury prone and he's, he's, he was a first round pick. Right. And he was supposed to be, he was highly toted and kind of everyone said that he was going to be get better each year and year, year after year. And he kind of did, but I get what you're saying. Maybe they go running back because they they yeah. they don't really have a whole lot back there. No, no, there's not a lot of support there at the skill positions for them for Tua to to get the ball to. Right. So, and, and it'll be interesting to see how Tua does this year because obviously I think he had like 11 touchdowns and five interceptions or something like that, but he had a pretty good record, and so he just rode that defense, which was where I would think you would as. Um, I forget the coach's name in Miami now, but he's a defensive he's a defensive coach. I know that, but he you would think he would want to build up that defense a little bit more, especially after losing those two guys. But they, well, they cut them. Well, we shall see. When is the draft? It's not. It's another couple months. Isn't no, it? It's, it's at the end of April. Oh, speaking of April, that's a great time to start doing some golfing, eh, boys? Yeah, man. Yeah, I can't wait. I gotta get my putter regripped so I can kick your asses. Oh my God. I think this year I'm going to have at least to beat you once. I have to at least beat you once. <laughs> I, I hope you do. Man. I hope you Fucking do. right. I think it's about time one of us beats your ass. That's a tell you that. But again, speaking of uh, golf, I mean, is in April 8th. Uh, I think that's actually the start of the Masters um, where Dustin Johnson won it last year. So it would be good to see him kind of win it again. I mean, after all, with what's going on with the the good old Gretzky family would be nice to see him sport some more green. It's also very hard to defend a title, especially with golf. Has there ever been a back-to-back years? Um, I believe Tiger's done it. I can't recall anybody else. I'm sure there, there are, but the one that pops into my head is Tiger Woods right away. I'm going to challenge you on that. 
Nice. I don't play Jess. I, I don't I I don't think there's ever been anyone to do back to back. I would have to say Tiger's definitely done it back to back, and I'm probably more certain that he's done it more than once. Back to back wins in 2001, 2002. Tiger? Yep. Kev, you are the winner. Right. <laughs> and speaking of winners, we had this uh, UFC 60 went on uh, Saturday night. The big one was the uh, heavyweight championship title. But we'll start with the uh, lower bouts. So we had uh, the lightweight belt. Jamie uh, Malarkey defeats uh, Kama Worthy, I believe, in the first round TKO. Very impressive. Pretty damn quick. And we're going to fly into the women's flyweight. Miranda Maverick defeats uh, Jillian Robertson. This one went down to a decision. So, yeah. Wasn't that all impressive? I mean, decisions are kind of, eh, I want to see someone get knocked the fuck out when I watch <laughs> these matches. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's the only point. I mean, like, I don't know. I just like the first round knockouts or, you know, good old submissions kind of deal. And uh, we're going to go into our bantamweight here. We're uh, Sean o O'Malley. This guy, if you haven't seen his hair, check it out, man. Oh, my God. It's just like, color me Elmo. It's just everywhere. Uh, he defeats this Thomas um, Amedia third round knockout. Pretty impressive. I mean, this this guy, Thomas, didn't look like he wanted to fight at all. Anytime he got hit with a big punch, he hits the ground, kind of turtle a bit, but then the guy would let him back up. So this guy definitely was not in the match. He definitely didn't want to want to carry on, and it and it showed. And we got into our welterweight. Vincent Lequeux defeats um, Tyron Woodley. First round submission, that's pretty cool. I mean, to put someone down to make them tap, yeah, feels good. But this heavyweight title, these guys are just beasts. I mean, just beasts. This Francis guy, ah, been watching some of his uh, earlier fights. And, man, I'm telling you, this guy just threw one uppercut, and it just seen this guy's head just whip flashback. I mean, oh, my goodness. The spinal damage, the crippling. But he uh, defeats the champion, Stipe Mokic, second round TKO. Mokic? Yeah, thank you. Mokic, yeah, TKO. Uh, again, this guy hits them, just throws a goddamn bomb and just KO'd him. And he hits the ground, knee buckles back. I'm surprised he, he can actually walk after this match. But then uh, gets a hammer fist in before the ref jumps in. I mean, Buddy is knocked the fuck out and gets a hammer fist in at the end as well. Takes the title, and this Francis guy is going to hold it for a while. I don't think anybody's going to be able to, to get him. He's just too fucking powerful. Yeah, he scared the crap out of me when I saw that highlight. Jesus, he smoked him. Right? And it was just a, one of a little jab. Boom. Just kind of <laughs> unbelievable. This guy's a beast. And that's what I have there for uh, the UFC. All in all, fun to watch. Gets my blood, gets my pump, you know, blood pump in there. Throw this into our penalty box, I guess. Let's do it. All right, might as well fire away then, Peter. All right, I'll go first. So in my penalty box this week is the whole Tim Peel fiasco and the NHL refs and game management and makeup calls. So if you missed it. There was an incident with a hot mic with Tim Peel, who's a ref in the NHL. And as the game was going to commercial, his mic was on. 
in the broadcast and he was heard saying, and the quote is, it wasn't much, but I wanted to get a fucking penalty against Nashville early in the, and then it cuts out. So essentially what he's saying is that he was trying to get a makeup call against Nashville early in, I think it was the second period or something, but it brought to light what I would call a well-known fact that NHL referees are game managers and they try to keep penalties relatively even throughout games and sort of if they have maybe what they in retrospect think is a soft call that they made a mistake on or whatever, they're going to try and get a call against the other team to try and even things up. And so Tim Peel, he was going to retire at the end of this year anyway. I don't know if he was technically fired or not. I think he kind of was. He's not going to be repping any more games but he's still going to get his pension and everything as far as I understand. But he's, he's done repping in the NHL because of this hot mic, which I don't think is really fair. Cause I know that he's not the only one doing this. It's like an unwritten rule kind of thing, right? That's right. I would love to see this get properly fixed though, and actually have proper penalties called in NHL games, not focusing on trying to keep, the penalties even between the teams. Like after this came out, I saw all kinds of uh, metrics on, on Twitter or whatever, where the amount of games where the penalties are within one of being even, like three penalties and one team, two to the other or whatever, is a huge number of games. And just the reality of just calling the rule book just straight as it is, that probably shouldn't happen. There are teams that play different styles and some that should probably lead to being penalized more often than others. But that's not the way the game gets played, and it tends to benefit teams that understand that and can take advantage of that. And as a Leaf fan, I am traumatized by it every time we play the Bruins in the playoffs because they know that they can essentially break all the rules and they'll get a few penalties, but there will be makeup calls on the Leafs to try and make the penalties even. And there's also usually, at least in the playoffs, sort of a, an imaginary cap on penalties. They don't want the whole game to be a power play. So they'll put the whistles away at some point after there's been a few penalties in the game and only call the seriously egregious stuff, which has burned us in the past, specifically the, I'm thinking of like the Kadri game back in, Every year that was 19, I want to say, where he cross-checked to Brusque and got booted for the rest of the series. And they at least ended up losing that series because the game got out of hand and the rest weren't calling the penalties. So anyway, that's long-winded and I'll stop talking now, but that's, <laughs> that's in my penalty box for, uh, yeah, for all the reasons I just said. It almost makes you wonder how many games have been almost fixed, you know, with, with the penalties calling here and there and what else are they what else are they potentially calling is it to their advantage maybe they're doing some betting or something on the side here you know like a pete rose kind of thing oh there was a basketball rep that did that too he was he was betting on games that he was officiating so yeah and like betting is i'm gonna say not huge in the nhl right now but it's if they're smart they want to go in that direction like there's a huge amount of money to be made in in gambling 
and I don't know if I'm if I'm betting on NHL games, this kind of shit is not making me happy. Like I want to bet on the team that I think is going to win because they're the better team. I don't want the refs to step in and start influencing the outcome of the games. Well, yeah, I just I just dislike it. I mean, it's just unfortunate. Buddy has a microphone like they didn't have before, but now you now you guys are being watched more often, listening to what's happening. So good for them. Oh, like get this get this shit fixed. Just just like how you said that they're trying to do pretty much makeup calls. And we talked about it before, and it's it's there. It's definitely there in all sports, more or less. They make have these small makeup calls, but like you said about the playoffs and stuff like that. And I I think in the playoffs they more or less just swallow the whistle. I don't I don't know if they they put a cap on it. I think they just stuff doesn't get called as much in every sport. They don't want refs deciding the game. They want players to just play. And so there's a little bit more freedom yeah, but it, in every aspect. Like you always see, like I personally like playoff hockey a hell of a lot more than regular season because it's, it's a tougher game. It's faster. And it's the same yeah. way in, in uh, NBA, they call less fouls in the playoffs and the NFL, they throw less flags. There's obviously some blown calls, which, which happen. I don't know if we should get too conspiracy about it, with uh, saying that they're making these calls against you <laughs> against the Leafs, like against Boston, they, there was a couple bad calls for sure, but it, it, it happens. Oh, the, and that's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that Boston is smart and they understand how the games are called and they built a team to, to take advantage of the way the system is. It's not that the, fucking refs are being juiced to call the games the Bruins way. The Bruins just understand the way the games are going to be called in the playoffs, and they built a team to suit that, and they were very successful with that. Okay, fair enough. I, I came off a little bit of conspiracy theory before, but yeah, I want to make... No, no conspiracies here, just... Uh, the, other, the other point <laughs> I, I just want to really make is uh, that he's gone after saying that. I... Yeah. Like, he really got away... Like you said, he's getting his pension. He's getting away with everything, pretty much. Because they're retiring him, right? So, I wish I, I wish they would hold refs and umps more accountable. This is kind of going that way, which is a step, but I don't think it's a big enough step. Yeah, because I guarantee you, if he wasn't retiring at the end of this year, would he got fired? Then, then he's not getting yeah, fired. Exactly. No chance. So they kind of forced him out, kind of thing like that. Exactly, just because yeah, he's so, on his way out anyway. But you can you can say that they're actually penalizing these guys when they make dumb shit uh statements like that yeah anyway that's my box so uh let's move on to josh who's in your penalty box this week so i'm betting the rules a little bit this week uh i've got wesley Bryan in my box last friday in the honda classics second day he shot his ball into a muck puddle and decided that it would be better for him to strip down to his boxers and go into the muck and try and hit his ball out. So he doesn't have to take a drop and a, and a, an extra stroke. So now we've seen this before where players will take their shoes off. They'll get in the water. You know, they hike their pants up uh, to above their knee type thing, make the shot. And we have seen other players in the past that have worn their, you know, their boxers or they had maybe had a pair of shorts in their bag or what have you. So they could do this, but he's down to his boxers 
And instead of taking his shirt off or just leaving it as is, he ties it up into a knot, like on his chest type thing. It basically looks like he was wearing a almost like a woman's tube top. Like a belly thing. shirt. <laughs> like a belly shirt, exactly. And so he proceeds to go in and hit his ball. Well, he misses the misses the good shot that he wanted. The ball goes up, lands back in the muck. So he has to reset up and take another shot. He finally gets out of the muck on the second try. But uh, I just thought it was pretty funny that this guy's in his in his underwear here playing as a professional golfer, and uh, you know for the world to see to see him uh, in, in his in his underwear. Like the commentators had even said like. Oh my, they're like, we're not sure how long we can stay on this shot. Like they were, should we, are we PG-13 still? <laughs> so, uh, I thought it was pretty funny. So uh, when I, I saw him, especially with the two shots and then his little belly shirt, it uh, it had to go on the box this week. So Wes, Wesley, Brian, you're in my box for getting naked in the PGA course. You know, you know what he reminds me of? You, you know the girls in the longest, the Adam Sadler version of the longest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, the cheerleaders, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what he looked like. Yeah. So, uh, Kev, tell me who's in your box. I'm putting the whole Buffalo Sabres into my box. I mean, for a team that has lost 17 games straight, is kind of, you know, boys, we got to pull your socks up here, man. Hence the reasons why I, you know, kind of like that stall finding the left. I mean, it's good that he did because now he's out of a, a losing losing squad. It just blows my mind because these Sabres do have some pretty stellar players. I just don't understand what's going wrong. 17 games, though, man. That's just – don't know if that's a record in the NHL so far or tying anything, but that that's pretty lame. Um, I guess they – Go and get a uh, intern coach of Don Granado. I really don't see anybody fixing this. I don't think a, a, a GM on standpoint should be like you know, wondering how much longer his job is is going to be there if they continue to do this slippery slope of a of losing. I don't know. You guys got to do something. Seventeen games is pretty pathetic. Yeah. So it's not a record. Eighteen is the record. The Penguins in 0304. Uh, and the Caps and Sharks have lost 17 straight. So the Caps in 74, 75, and the Sharks in 92, 93. And now, obviously, the uh, 2020, 2021 Buffalo Sabres. Buffalo Sabres. Again, like you have Skinner that plays for them. You have like Ramius, um, Ramius uh, Rolleston. I mean, they they like um, and there you go. And then you have like, they got some really good guys here. And it's just, it just blows my mind of, who you have. I mean, yeah, we mentioned that last week uh, that they have a pretty good team and they just can't do a damn right. thing. Yeah. Sad, but you know, so I'm pretty sure they're going to sell as much as they can before the trade deadline. So they need to make weeks. a decision on that. Like you're either going to try and make some trades to bring some, you know, some better guys in to try and do something salvage the rest yeah. of the year or dump it, dump everyone. And yeah. Rebuild. Cause and that seems like that's the way to go. Am I from what I'm Taylor listening. Hall was asked yeah, if yeah. you would um, be willing to move or if they asked you, would you be willing to be traded? He instantly, not one hesitation, said, yep, I'd go. Well, according to you, thinking he's a cancer, the Sabres would say the same thing. Yep, he yep. can go. Hey, I, agree. I still agree to that. I think that, that that guy is some kind of, you know, 
bad influence inside a locker room. But that's just my own opinion. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a really awkward year, I think, for the Sabres to be in this sort of position. Because it's not even like there's a, at least not that I'm aware of, like a consensus number one pick that's going to be in the draft. I don't even know. Like there's been no hype that I've heard about anyone in this draft at the very top end of it. Like you usually hear, usually you know by this time who the number one overall pick is at least projected to be. And I haven't heard much. And it's because the junior players really aren't playing. So it's it's a shitty year to be in a last place position, I think. Now, with that being said, though, do you just sit there and just say, fuck the rest of the season? I just, just finish it off last, boys, and get a first round pick or get most of these lottery balls so you can actually get one? At this point, I still would, even though it's maybe a bit of an unknown. Like, what are you going to do? You're not going to make a playoff right. spot. <laughs> I think you maybe you sell pretty well everyone, you know, and and completely restart. Is that it? Like I said, maybe this isn't the best draft because you just don't know who's coming out. But if you got a bunch of picks, you're gonna hit on a few guys, right? Is that, is that including your uh, your Eichel? You get rid of him? It's not my Eichel, but yeah, why not? <laughs> yeah, why not? I mean, he hasn't done fuck all, so you know, I mean, he's had good seasons or, or good stretches, but, but consistency and, and he's doing nothing to help the Sabres right now. So why not? Why not sell them? I mean, maybe you're not selling guys at the, their highest point, but sell them, get something and, and restart. Oh, this uh, trades uh, trade deadline is going to be a very, very interesting. We hope. Yeah. Yeah. Give us something to talk about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I don't know if they move, I call they, they better get a haul for him because he's a very, very good player. He's just stuck in the black hole at his Buffalo. But are you going to waste his his prime on a shit team that's going to go nowhere for the next four or five years, depending on how well they do in, in the draft and, and rebuilding, right? right? Yeah. Does he want to do that? Does he want to say, fuck you? I don't want to rebuild. Yeah, off. get me out of here. Yeah. yeah. I'm pretty sure he does not. Exactly. So he, he was signed up for that four years ago. Now exactly. You know. Well, with the Seattle team coming in, you know, you did Buffalo can just dump a lot. Say, take this guy, take that guy. That's not, I don't think it works. They, like had, they put up so many. Like they put a, up so many players. Yeah. So you, you can protect. You protect yeah. players. Now, yeah. Well, I mean, he would be the first pick if he wasn't protected. Let's put it that yeah. way. Because every, every superstar is going to be protected. So. Yeah. So Jesse, who do you got? Your boxer, bud. My box, I got uh, the Houston Astros. Just for low-balling uh, Carlos Carrera, they offered him a six-year, $20 million deal, and he turned it down. Now, I call it a low-ball. It really isn't that bad, um, but he is only 26. He was an AL Rookie of the Year. He was an All-Star in 2017. He had a bad year last year, but it was a shortened season in that in that pandemic world. So like it's it's tough to judge how people do. And plus, he was involved in that uh, stealing signs scandal and everything like that as well with the rest of the Houston Astros. And listen, like the only the only two people that are making annually uh, twenty million or above is Francisco Lindor, who's a superstar, young superstar still, and uh, Xander Bogarts. Like they got Trevor Story on an $18.5 million annual year, which is a steal, I think. But this guy should be resetting the market personally. I think like you're going to look at like 
23, 23 and a half million. Challenge. What are you challenging? I'm challenging your uh, 20 million. There's got to be, Tatis has got to be more than 20 million. You said Lindor and who's the other guy? Tatis has got to be more than that. He just signed a monster fucking contract. Oh, I'm sorry. I was talking about 2021. He's still on that rookie deal. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't specified. <laughs> uh, I'm leaving it up to Kevin and Peter on that one, but let's carry on. We can decide that in a little bit. All right. Anyway, so yeah, he's uh, so I just think he he can be really worth a lot more going forward. And like you said, with even with Tatis getting getting that huge uh, increase and everything like that, and he he hasn't even played a full season of uh, games. And he got that deal, but mm. I guess Carlo Carrasco doesn't have the same home run and um, steal ability as, as Tatis Jr., but he's still one of the biggest bright spots at shortstop right now, especially for playing in as long as he has, and he's still as young as he is. Do you think he's better than Corey Seager? Hitting, no. I think Corey Seager's, Seager's better. But um, his his defense is manac- is is crazy good. So I I think that's where he'll play a lot. And he's more of a like he hits more. He's more of your typical leadoff hitter, right? He hits for average. He he can run the bases real quick and everything like that. But uh, yeah, but but Corey Seager's also up there in age too. He's not that old, man. He's not thirty. Oh. No. He, the reason I'm asking about Corey Seager and, and your comparison is because he's making thirteen million seven hundred fifty thousand a year. So and uh, he's on one year contracts, uh, but you know, so to, for a comparison, because he's obviously not Tatis, so we know that there's not, that that comparison is is for the cash value is out to lunch. But I don't know. I just I just quickly googled uh, Seager's contract and it was just you know to see who who is who is who and and how to compare. He's making $11 million right now, Carrera, this year, 11.3, I believe, something in that range. And to me, that would be, you know, somewhere between that 11 and, say, 15 a year is probably where I would be paying for C- uh, for. So you uh, wouldn't for think Carrera. you'd be over $20 million. I don't think – I think, yeah, that what he turned down, I think he hmm. should have signed that. But who knows what he gets out in free agency, right? It's a it's – a, crazy uh it's a crazy thing that free agency they're throwing around money like crazy and i mean we'll see we'll see he's he's planning on playing out the year on this contract and it sounds like he's planning on being a free agent that that the astros don't value him high enough and he's saying you know he's gonna walk at the end of his his contract here well they've been bleeding players for a while especially after that stealing the signs right like losing garrett cole and everything like that Mm -hmm. which obviously was a mistake but yeah. They, get, they gave Lance for colors, big deal. So they're trying to keep some. Mm-hmm. They still have Alex yeah, uh, for sure. Bergman and, and uh, Jose Altidore. Altidore, Altidore yeah. And um, so they still got a lot of players. They're still going to be pretty good this year. But uh, I don't know. I, I personally think Carrera is a pretty good player. There, there's like, we paid $18 million for Marcus Simeon. So, yeah, fair enough. How old did you say that uh, Correa was? 26. So. Same as Seager, same same age. So there's even more for a comparison. <laughs> See, I thought he was 27. Well, Google's saying 26, but okay. April 27, 94. So he'll be 27 
in a month. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I was just using that as a Corey Seager as a comparison. No, like, I think it's a yeah, that, that was a good point. I, I'm thinking of Kyle Seager, I think, off the top of my head. Oh, the third baseman. Yeah, for Seattle. So his he, brother. Yeah, and he and he's older for sure. Yeah, he's a little bit older, and I, yeah. I guess that's who I got confused with. And I, that's my opinion. That's some great points that you have there, and everything like that. And like I said, like he's he's more of a defensive and. He still has yet to hit his potential, I think, Carlos Carrera. But that's why I think they're low ball on him and everything, especially with uh, what Tatis Jr. got this year. And that's going to be a big part of why he wants more, right? He feels that he's a top two, three shortstop, and he wants that kind of money. You know, it's going to be tough if the Astros let him walk. Uh, That's a tough spot to fill. It's a a lot of talent that they have to replace. So it'll be tough. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, should we roll into our scores, boys? Yeah, so just uh, the challenge that uh, Josh had on Jesse. So what was the challenge? If there's any, like, position about players? $20 million. Uh, about 20 million? Yeah. He said above, uh, short stops. Short stops above 20 oh, short million. short stops, okay. Yeah. Well, he didn't say that, but that I, I assume that. So that's what I was getting at. So short that... stops above 20. 20 and more, but yeah, that's what I was saying. Short stops. Right. Yeah, there's two. And then tattoos. I don't even see that these probably because well, yeah. That's, that's that was because anymore. I was looking at that 2020 2021. Yeah. Just the Bogarts. And the verdict is? Uh, I don't know. Kev, what do you think? <laughs> I hate to keep it as just I don't know. For some reason, Jesse just I don't know. I I, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh I, I I'm I'll say no. Should we just call it a, a non-challenge? Nobody wins, nobody loses. Because it was a bit confusing. <laughs> I, I concur to that. Right. Sure, whatever. <laughs> Fair it on this one. I know. All right. So we just had one challenge then. Yeah. So just uh that. Yeah, just Kev up a point, Jesse down a point. For what? My memory is. It was the uh, Tiger, yeah. Tiger Woods, y'all. Tiger Woods, that's right. Back-to-back Masters wins. So, yeah. So, that brings our season running totals to Peter's plus one. Jesse is minus one. Kevin is minus one. And Josh is a minus five. We should have taken that into consideration when uh, judging on that last challenge. <laughs> it's all good in the hood, man. I'm not going to win the uh, NCAA thing, but maybe I'll get three points to at least try and dig me out of the negatives. I don't care if I lose. I just don't want to be in the negatives, yeah. <laughs> especially, especially that deep. All right, boys. Uh, Peter, tell me how your drink was. You know what? It was good. I liked it. It's a, uh, like it says, it's a crushable IPA. Uh, although it did uh, make me a little gassy. I may have uh, burped a few times during the show. Sorry about that. But all in all, it was good. Uh, Jesse, how was your drink? Delicious. Uh, it's cowbell, and usually pretty big fan of anything they put out. And it was one; of, it's still one of my favorites, and everything like that. And it's brand new. They're New England DIPA, which is a double Indian Pale Ale, but it's from New England. I don't understand it, but it's very good, strong beer. Kevin, how was your drink? Never goes wrong with Murphy's Law. That's all I got to say, guys. Uh, cherry bombs, absolutely beautiful. I actually ate that cherry, you know. boy. It's great. Good stuff. Josh, how was your drink? It's really good. I had uh, post-game brewings locker room lager, 
well, pretty much all the episodes I run at a beer. So this week I had two. I was, uh, I was in good shape. What well, didn't run out of my, my locker room lager. And it was good. Like I said, uh, in the opening, it tastes just like something that somebody would bring into the, to the change room there while you're, while you're getting your, uh, your gear on for, for your hockey game or afterwards. And it, uh, it was really good. It was light 4.2%. So nothing crazy, but it tasted really good. And I'm just finishing up my, my second can now. Well, it was good. Good stuff. Yeah. So that's going to pretty well wrap it up for today. So for everyone here at Points of Penalties, we want to thank you for listening. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a like and follow on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Points Penalties. And until next week, stay, stay out, out of the, the penalty, penalty box. box.